listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, church. Are you excited to be here today? Yeah? Hey, me too. Uh, welcome to the third part of our series, Urban Legends, and Jesus is over all of that. Take out something to take notes with, and if you're watching this online, make sure to share that feed right away. The world needs a message of hope. Hey, before I jump into the meat and potatoes of the sermon, uh, I've got a little bit of housekeeping to do. Uh, your church has been up and to the right over the last several weeks, and I want to tell you about that. We have finally hired a daycare director. Brittany, stand up. Go ahead. Brittany Chloe, everybody. One of our own. Thank you. Brittany has been attending here. I think uh, many of us heard her testimony in our summer series, Bonfire. And uh, so listen, she has our culture, has our heart here. We are excited about being able to do it. Uh, there are some external factors making it hire, uh, hard to hire anybody in this world. I don't know if you've noticed. It's like 18 bucks to work at McDonald's, and that's just to mop, okay? And so it's been difficult to hire a staff, but when you see us put out those ads on our Facebook page, and you might not be seeing that for other reasons, go on our Facebook page, share those ads. We need to hire an assistant director and a staff because, church, we have an aggressive goal. In fact, if you read Good to Great, it's called a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal of opening this daycare center on October 11th. Are you excited about that? That's pretty cool. Now, while we're getting everything together for hiring and getting the right people on the bus, church, it's time where I'm going to need your help. So partners, I'm looking at you, all hands on deck. Here's what I need. We're going to be having a work night this Tuesday. And this Thursday, and it's going to be it's going to be a little crazy, okay? I need this Tuesday, September 28th, and it's going to be at 5.30, and we're going to have dinner. So some of you guys are coming right after work. We're going to have dinner ready for you, something quick that you can just scarf up and be able to serve straight away. Same thing on September 30th. That's this Thursday, 5.30, we'll have dinner, and then we're going to be working. What are you going to be doing? There's a little bit of carpentry. There's a little bit of demo. There's a little bit of... Uh, 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 plumbing work to do. There's uh, cleaning and painting and things of the sort. There's carpentry of hanging doors, making sure it's square, things like that. We had a great response from first service. In fact, Pastor Brian, what was our total for first service on Tuesday for men? Okay, and then on September 30th? You don't even want to say it, it was that bad, okay? So we've got to. We got to make that up is what you're saying. But we're very close on Tuesday, and I think that a lot of those people are going to hang over. Here's what I need you to do, and I need the men of the church to help lead this thing. You're the man at home. You're big bad boy. Awesome. I need 14 men on Tuesday. Would you stand up if that's going to be you? Go ahead. Come on, big boys. You're tough. Mike Pell, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, give it up for these guys. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Come on, guys. Come on. Your church, not my church. Come on, stay standing. I want to put some social pressure, Mark. Go ahead, uh, Mike, go ahead and stand. Bob, I'm looking at you. I think you need to be here on Tuesday. You have a strong back, it looks like. Go ahead, stand up. Go ahead. Yeah, give it up for him, guys. Go ahead. Bob, God bless you. Perfect. You're standing, and that's perfect. She got, oh, you single? We have, praise the Lord. Gentlemen, you can sit down. You stay standing. Women, I need 10 women on Tuesday. She's leading the charge. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think that's going to be more than enough for Tuesday. Now, Thursday, you can have a seat. Men, Thursday. Yeah, bring your tools, hammer, nail, stuff like that. Don't go nuts. Men, Thursday. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's wonderful. Can I have just a couple more? Can I see one, two, three, four, five, six? Can I see seven? I'm going for seven. God likes that number. Ah! Lucky number seven. Have a seat, gentlemen. I need ten women this Thursday. Ten women. One, two, three, four, five. That mixed with last service, we got it. Let's give it up for everybody. Great job. Great job. Now, uh, don't come here and talk to us, okay, like... This isn't a counseling appointment. We're going to come here and be Bob the Builder, okay? So I love you in the Lord. Let's work, okay? 
get that blessed assurance making some things happen around here at the church house. Okay, make sure you bring what you got. I also want to say, for the matching funds, great job. The goal was 30000 Church, we are at $39,141. Great job. Now, as the old preacher used to say, don't shout them down when they're preaching so good. In other words, if you had planned to give, still give. Maybe we'll let that matching funds person know about those as well. But I wanted to give a hearty thank you to everybody that was involved. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 6. This series, Jesus Over Urban Legends has been all about some of the misbeliefs that we've heard even from the time we were young. Maybe your granny's been saying it, but it's an urban legend. It's not real. It's like saying that you eat Mentos and Pepsi and you'll explode. You know, it's an urban legend. It's a jackalope faith. In other words, it looks real. It's got antlers. I feel fur, but it's not real. It's mythical. It's a legendary thing, and that's the problem with it is that it does look real. So what we're trying to do in this series is find those things, let them bubble up to the surface so we can deal with them in a direct way. Here's today's urban legend. Write it down. Time heals all wounds. Oh, I remember breaking up with my first little sweetheart. And oh, I, I wanted to get back with her. Finally, we got together just before she went on vacation. And my granny said, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, that's true for some things. But how about when you get into a tiff with somebody? How about when you get into a knockdown, drag out fight? Time does not heal all wounds. In fact, in my experience, time like thoroughly rubs sea salt in the wound. Time exploits problems. It ferments issues that are there. Anybody else, if I didn't preach another word, you'd be like, yep, he's right. He's telling the truth. Preach it, go on. I'm here to tell you that that is the truth, that time isn't the healer. That's not how it works. Last week, we talked about bad things, the problems, the issues that hit our life, the trials. And one of the biggest areas that we have these issues in, even though they're not our problem, right, but they are, is people. We have people issues. And I'm not immune from that. I face people issues. You know, 12, 15 years ago, I found myself in an awful spot, a spot I really didn't anticipate being in. Uh, I was under a person, and um, in... in context, I had been lied about. Somebody made an awful lie about me, and it was being believed. And this person who was over me, for the sake of this sermon, we're just going to call him Richard. That's not his real name, but it's going to help just to make everything flow, and so I don't mess up, okay? Uh, but Richard uh, was, was this person who was over me, and while I was being lied about, Richard was having some things go wrong in his life professionally and personally, a lot of things were beginning to crumble. And the way that this person coped with all of that was to just take authority and, and to try to establish control in all things, and not in a steady way, in, in a controlling, domineering way. I became the fault for everything that was going wrong. I became the whipping boy for him. Whenever there was an issue in the church, surely I'd be called into some private meeting. And in the meeting, guys, it was, it was abuse. It was demeaning. Uh, it, was, it was something that really carved me out on the inside. Uh, in those meetings, uh, it, it, it just, I was accused of things I didn't do. And the things that I did that, that I was proud of were thrown under the bus. I couldn't do anything really right. And while all of these things were happening, I found myself going from being this person that was confident and even, I, I maybe even erred on the side of being self-assured when I was younger, to all of a sudden, I'm insecure. And I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling carved out on the inside and anxious and angry and, and depressed. And I, I found my heart in the spot where I had this like fight or flight type thing. Like somebody could ask me a question or critique me in an area that was just a small thing. And I would just go off the handle about this little thing, but yet I wasn't confronting my abuser. I was, I was just pushed into a spot where I was not myself. And it was damaging to myself. My family saw what I was going through and tried to reach out to me and say, Joe, you're not 
you're not yourself. What's going on? When they found out some of the details, found out how little I was being paid, because this, this didn't just go professionally. This bled over to my personal life. My personal finances were a matter of this person's decision. You're like, Pastor, I could never picture you like that. Right. Not now. But then, yeah. It bled into every area. And so family's trying to be like, Joe, you're not yourself. What's the deal? And I defended my abuser. I defended this person. So, oh, no, you got to pay your dues. You got to get some chocks in your belt. It's all good. It's all going to come out in the wash. And, and I'm, I'm allowing this to move forward in my life. And at my lowest moment, I had a godly leader reach out to me, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but it unlocked things in me, and I was able to progress in my life. But even while I was progressing with God, even while I was progressing with what God had for me with my wife and in future ministry, I had a chip on my shoulder. I had some issues. I was really living out of the frustration from that season in a huge way. And while I'm progressing and I'm reading the Bible, I came across a scripture in Matthew 6, and these words shook me because I knew I was in big trouble. Matthew 6, verse 14, if you would. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We're all good with that. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy. When I read that, I'm progressing with God. I'd even been ministering for a little bit, and I read that with new eyes, and I thought, I'm in real trouble here because I hate this guy's guts. You know, Richard was just a, was a jerk, and I held on to that. And I can't do that, right? Like, we can't live out of that spot. But I knew at the same time, I didn't know how to find relief from all of this. How can you forgive somebody that did something like that? And that, my friends, is what I want to talk about today. Time doesn't heal all wounds. That's for sure. We need healing. It begs the question, how do we forgive like Jesus? And so here's my prayer for all of us. I pray that today we all have a real encounter with God, that we encounter him in his word and through the power of his Holy Spirit. And by that encounter, we can feel and experience the freedom that he has for us in Jesus' name. Now, I want to read the most elegant, gracious prayer in all of the Bible. I'm convinced it is. But to set that up, I want to talk a little bit about Jesus when he suffered the crucifixion on the cross. I'm going to read it for us out of Luke uh, chapter 23. If you wanted to turn there or swipe there real quick, that'd be great. Luke 23, the Bible says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, maybe your translation says Golgotha, they crucified Jesus there, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. We'll read a little bit more in a second. Keep your place, but look at me, y'all. We think when we watch some of our favorite movies about um, uh, the passion of the Christ or, or see some of the illustrations or art that we have some essence for crucifixion, and you might have some essence for what it was like, but I think we miss a lot. It was the most brutal and gruesome form of punishment you could put on a man. It was reserved for the worst sinners, the people that really bothered the Roman Empire worse than anyone else. And that's shown because it was actually a very expensive way to execute a man. It took a lot of time and human resource to watch over this type of execution. And don't forget, Jesus suffered things before he ever went to that cross. They pulled out his beard and beat him to a pulp. By the point that they took the crown of thorns and dug it into his head, blood was gushing. I mean, there's nothing like a head wound put on a fireworks show. You know what I'm saying? It was gushing down a black and blue face. Historians, theologians, scholars all say that when he was beat with the cat of nine tails, that it's very likely that internal organs were visible and he might have lost them in that fight in particular. I mean, just before he ever hit the cross. And when they put you on the cross, of course, it's these railroad tie style 
stakes that go through your hand, and you're trying to push up to not suffocate. Typically, it lasted uh, days, maybe even weeks. People would go mad before they would actually die in their body, and they died of suffocation, not from blood loss. They'd be pushing up to get a breath, and they'd fall down, and the whole time that they're doing it, they're having to use like the wounds to pull themselves up, and it was just, it was, it was wrong. And while all of that's happening, we think of the cross as though like they were way up there on a cross. You know, when they put the crosses in the ground, they were just a couple inches off from the ground level. That's where their feet were. And it's so that their enemies could go up to them and spit on them and mock them and hit them themselves and get in their right hook. Jesus, think about that. The creator is being mocked by creation on the cross. It is devastating. And it is in that moment that Jesus displays the most beautiful, otherworldly, gracious, faith-filled prayer in all of the Bible. This is what it says in verse 34, Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What? If anybody had the right to be upset, if anybody had the right to say, no, they know what they're doing here, it would be Jesus in this instant, but he takes the high road and he says, God, you forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He asked for forgiveness for what, for many of us, it'd be unforgivable. No, you're crazy. I don't forgive you. I want to fillet you. I want to be done with you, right? And, and guys, I want to acknowledge this about today, that when I talk about abuse I do it sensitively, that people have gone through things. Maybe you had a friend, and you were supposed to be like in this loyal relationship, and they, they turned their back on you, or they told stories out of school, or when you needed them, they were gone, and they were on the other team. Maybe it was a business partner. You went into business together, and they ruined your reputation because they didn't keep up their end. Maybe you lost your business, your baby, what you, what you prayed for and stayed up late at night. There are people who, who face abuse. There are parents who abuse little kids. In ministry, we have to hear about that stuff way more often than you. It's grievous. Some of it is, is beyond what you can imagine. There's marriages that suffer abuse, and, and that might be physical, that might be emotional, it might be sexual abuse. That's actually on the rise in our country. And about sexual abuse, some of you have faced it. The stats on it, if you actually look at it, it'll blow you away. One out of every three women statistically have been sexually abused. If we had a row full of women, you go one, two, abuse, one, two, abuse. You, you just think about what that actually means. And the stats for men aren't that much better. It's one in five. That is alarming. So some of the things that you might have faced that put you in a spot where it's like you were the victim, you didn't do anything wrong, but you suffered it. I understand what you're saying. And though I'm aware that some people struggle with, you know, their parents, I know that there's also people in here that you struggle with your parents, and some of them are dead. Some of them are long gone. But because you suffered poverty and abuse and neglect at their hand, even however it ended, there is a chip on your shoulder, something you bring in to every season you go in, and you're living out of hate or pain for what they did to you. Wow. Some of you are just kind of mad at God today. I say God's faithful. You're like, amen. But if we really started talking, you'd say, God's faithful. Where was he when I prayed? Where was he when I was being taken advantage of, when my innocence was being taken from me? God, where were you then? And it wouldn't take long to just breeze over a scab and you'd be in a full wound trying to express your heart. Some of you, you hate when I start talking this way because the truth of the matter is you hate yourself. You hold unforgiveness against yourself because of something you did. Whether it's bona fide or whether it's a bunch of junk, the way you look at it, you hate yourself because of something you did and you won't let yourself off the hook and you live your life out of that wound. Friend, that's not living. But it's hard. It's easy to give forgiveness to somebody else somewhat harder sometimes, isn't it, to forgive ourselves? And so, so we, 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 we mull over this, and it makes me think about, <laughs> it makes me actually think about vacuuming. 
How many of you here today, you're, you're one of these people that when you're vacuuming, you want straight lines, parallel. Just raise your hand if you're that type. Higher if you would. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> now, mowing a lawn, that's totally different. You've got to have straight lines going on. But Okay, so, so you're vacuuming, right? How many of y'all know there's always some random little string on the ground, and you got a good vacuum. You went out and bought one of those sharks, and you're going at it. And that little string is not going up, and it becomes like a focal point. Like, I'm going to, you know, and you're just going nuts on it every direction you can. You're, you know, you just sneak attack on it, you know. And what do we do? What do we do? Here's what I do. I end up picking it up, and I look at it. And then here's human nature. Ready? Here's how I know you've done this. I put it back down and make sure that we can. <laughs> My people. You're just going at it. You're trying to take it from every angle. And, and that's what you look like spiritually. You've taken every angle. And I've done counseling. I've tried to talk to people about it. And try to deal with anger. But it keeps on popping up. And I don't know what to do. I get it. It's not fair. And it's not right. And we get caught in spots like that. And that's the story of so many of us in the room right now. Where it's just like, God, I've got this thing. And it feels like a ton of bricks on my chest. God, what do I do? How does Jesus, in the midst of pain and suffering, the worst order, how does he forgive? That is what we need today. And I want to give you two thoughts about that. While I'm giving you these two thoughts, I will say this. They are simple enough to say, but I believe this, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you can leave here, assimilating these into your life, I believe that you can leave free. Number one, write it down. How do we forgive like Jesus? Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for them. I like it when the Bible preaches my messages. It, it kind of makes it easy on a preacher. And so the Bible says in Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you or hurt you. You know, when somebody like me hears a scripture like that, I love the Lord, right? I want to obey God. I want to do the right thing. But I'm I don't have to feel great about it, right? Like, I don't have to, like, feel warm fuzzies when I'm praying for this person. And so this is what I did about old Richard. Oh, God, I need to start to pray for Richard. Okay, Richard, here we go. God, I'm praying for Richard. Give him hemorrhoids, God. <laughs> Give him hemorrhoids bad. Give him hemorrhoids in his ears, God. I don't want him to, he, that baby knows what I'm talking about. You know, like, a, God, get him. Sick them, God. That's why I'm supposed to pray for my enemies. God, I pray that everything they touch turns to dust in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know? <laughs> and honestly, that's, that's, that is, you're laughing. That's exactly what I was praying early on. But Jesus knew that there were people just like me that would come about and obey. I'm obeying. I'm praying for them. But that's why he wrote this in Matthew 5. There's a distinct way to pray. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard, and they had. This was part of even Jewish custom. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? This, you don't even understand the consequence of what Jesus saying this had to the world. The Romans had a God of vengeance. Like, I'm kind of into that, you know? Like, get them back ten times worse. Grill them, lightning bolts. Come on, Zeus, you know? Sick them. Like, I kind of like it. But the Jews weren't so far off. They had a philosophy where it was eye for eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood. So if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. That's my life verse. You know, like, <laughs> you steal my thing, I'm going to steal stuff from you. You're going to steal my thing back. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. We're driving down 131, things are getting heated. You fly me off the bird, I'm giving you two birds for the trouble in Jesus' name. Peel the banana, read between the lines, take a walk, and you're not laughing now, and I know why, because 95% of you, that's the reason why you don't have a new chapel decal on your trunk. It's because you want to drive unsanctified up on that 131. Oh, I can't believe he did. Oh, get off your high horse. We've seen you drive out of this parking lot. Lord, what's Jesus saying? 
Love the person who took your innocence. Love the person who exploited you and lied and cost you. Did somebody hurt you, abuse you, or abuse someone you love? Sometimes that's worse, isn't it? It'd be one thing if you did it to me, but you did it to them. How could you do that? Have you suffered this this issue where you were taken advantage of, lied about? Listen to me, church. Pray for them. Why? Why, Jesus? Why? Here's what I found out about God. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Write this down. Right attitude precedes right actions. In other words, you're supposed to love them. How in the world do you think you're going to wake up one day and the person that took advantage of you, in some cases, in a grievous way, that you're going to go up and go, hi, praise the Lord, here's some money or something wild like that. The Bible starts with prayer because if God can get your heart to change, then some actions might follow. But we got to, man looks at the outward appearance, the Bible says, but the Lord weighs the heart. God's trying to get your heart to a spot where you could even imagine. If you're waiting to feel like blessing your enemy before you bless them, you might be waiting till Jesus comes back. But if he can work on your heart because you're praying for them, God can do a miracle. Say amen, somebody. I remember when, when this all hit, yes, I did start out praying for just awful things. I prayed all implodes, God, get them, you know. And, and then when I had this character check, it was like, God, you know. You know, like, can't even talk about it. You know. And you know what? God honors his step. God honors his step. And then it was like, God, I pray that they start to see what they did to others so they can know. Because they hurt a lot of people, God, and it was wrong. It was, it was a bunch of junk. I, I pray that. That's a good prayer. They need that. Oh, Richard. Little Richard. <laughs> and then I started to think about it, and I was like, he hurt a lot of people. You just wonder what kind of house he grew up in. And then you start thinking, man, who hurt that guy? And then, of course, colloquialism, hurting people hurt people, Yeah. You start to think about all that. You're like, God, I pray that he sees him. I, I, I pray that he starts to become the person that he was supposed to be because he is gifted. He has wonderful things there, but like, it's hurting a lot of people. And my heart began to change in the process and was once a detestable thought to even think about this person. All of a sudden, my heart is opening, and it starts to soften. I need to move on. Number two, how do we forgive like Jesus? Number two, forgive as you have been forgiven. Uh, Colossians, again, the Bible's preaching this message for me. It says this in Colossians 3.13. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Y'all look at me. I don't know what you've been forgiven of. I don't know how much you've been forgiven of, but I'm going to tell you about this guy. I've been forgiven of a lot. Before Christ, I was a thief and a compromiser. I stole and lied and cheated and took advantage of people. But after Christ, I was full of envy and jealousy and anger. And and as far as I get in my walk with God, lust will start to rear its ugly head in my life. I am not immune from those things. I have been forgiven by a lot. And so I have to forgive by a lot. You know the truth about it all? We all have been forgiven by a lot. Even if you're just like my wife. I don't know if Kaya got saved by osmosis or something. Uh, she doesn't think this of herself because she's terribly humble. But uh, Kaya grew up in a PK's home. She was a good doobie. You know, like, don't smoke or chew or go with girls that do. She was singing that, but about me. And I don't know if it's like, you know, like age of accountability. She realized one afternoon she's a sinner, got saved that afternoon. And like, yeah, it was by grace, but, you know, she's pretty good. Maybe that's you in the room. Or maybe you're a person that you've done things that, just to be honest, you'd rather never even talk about again. It doesn't matter. We've all been forgiven greatly, and we have to remember that, and we have to look at that. Because I have to forgive people the way that, they, uh, that God forgave me. You can center in the fact that what they did was wrong. In fact, let me just let me affirm you. What they did was wrong. 
And I'm not trying to say that it's okay to, to fillet somebody or, or, or to take advantage of somebody else. You forgiving them has nothing to do with affirming that what they did was right. But you're going to have to make a decision. Even though it's not going to cha- change the fact that that was wrong, but God has more for you. I've counseled people over the years, and I've talked with people that have said, Pastor Joe, we've dealt with adultery in our marriage, and that's biblical grounds for divorce. You're right, friend. Adultery is biblical grounds for divorce. It's also biblical grounds for forgiveness, for reconciliation. You can. You have an out. But I'm convinced that if two people in a relationship, if they both repent and turn towards God, I'm telling you, God can heal any relationship. Can I hear an amen, somebody? So you can center in the wrong that somebody did to you, or you can make the decision, I'm going to go past all of this. And still, there's the people that just get mad about it. They get angry and frustrated and, and, and start to spout out when they're alone all the things they do. Anybody else like me, and you've had whole speeches prepared of what you'd say to that person? You're wasting your life. Who do you think you are? You're crazy. I mean, I've, I've had it all ready to go. I've had it in the can ready. I'm going to, Richard, you know, and just let her rip because I'm angry. Or maybe you're like Kaya and, and you actually had a confrontation. Here's what Kaya is like. After the fact, it occurs to her all the stuff she should have said. Anybody else like that in the room? Yeah. Should have told them this. That got them, you know. <laughs> you can get angry and frustrated in all of it. I can't trust anybody. You can rehearse the resentment that's brewing in your heart or you say, God, I can choose to forgive and it can never change the past, but I can go into the future a changed person. So the rest of my story. I had dealt with this demeaning abuse. I was a shell of who I was. And I was running an errand for Richard, and I was traveling on Alpine. And while I was doing that, a, a man of God called me, and I started talking with him, and I just started to vent. Sorry, I got four kids. I'm just going to say it. It was like diarrhea of the mouth, okay? Like, this is everything. This is what's going on. This is what I'm facing. This is what they said. It was wrong. And they were supposed to be this for me, and they weren't. And, and while all of that's happening, I'm, I'm made out to look like this, and I hate it because I'm not like, and I just let it rip. And this person listened. And by the way, friend, that is some of the best stuff you can give somebody. They listened. And when it was all done, they said, are you done? And I'm like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> it's like gasping because I'm so emotional. And they said, I want to do something if you let me. That person may never apologize to you. They may never, if they do, apologize in a fulfilling way. But I want to apologize as though I am them. And I'm like, this sounds like voodoo. He said, no, listen, it's okay. And he said, Joe, I did those things to you, and I lied about you. I did it. I spread untruths about you. I held you down. I saw your gift, and I could have cared less. You could have been a protege, but I put you in the pooper. I hurt you. I ripped your heart out. I cost you thousands of dollars. Would you forgive me for doing those things? I was at the point on M37 where it splits off, coming from the north, going south. I had to go over, park on the side of the road because I was crying so hard I couldn't see the road any longer. And I must have been ugly crying because I couldn't get a word out. You know where you're kind of like this. Just say, yeah. And you're like, you know, I don't know, like choked up. I literally found out what that means that day. And he, and he said, do you forgive me? And yes, I got it out. And I'm telling you, everybody, that junk broke off from my life. It broke off from my life. I forgave that dude for what he did. And I'm not telling you that it didn't come up here again. Sometimes if I think about it, I'll be driving, and all of a sudden I look down, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going 85 and a 55, and I'm angry. You know, like, slow down. I reoffended myself. Forgive him again. That's okay. That's part of a process, I'd say. I think that's a very healthy thing to do. Now, 
When I made the decision to forgive this guy, God, he really took me on a journey. Like I told you, I felt like I was supposed to marry Eric High. I was supposed to plant this church, and I continue on with my life. Well, into my church, I, uh, I was welcomed to go on a hunt down in Oklahoma. I hunt deer, whitetail, and fallow deer down in Oklahoma. I don't understand, but my pastor, Pastor Willie George, has a ranch down there, and really it's just an excuse that we can get together and be guys and talk shop together and be real. It's, it's incredible. So twice a year, I'm very strategic about my growth, and that's part of it. My pastor pours into me individually. Now, while I was down there, I met a pastor who was just at the table with the rest of us hunting. His name was Steve Smotherman. He pastors the largest church in New Mexico, 20,000 people on the weekend. I didn't know that at the time. Might have acted different, I don't know. But as I'm talking to him, he, uh, he said, listen, I'm going to a conference in a week and a half. Would you like to come with me? I said, oh, listen, at the time, things were very modest with our budget here at church. I said, I really shouldn't. I, I, I'm going to have to decline. She said, he said, my treat. I'll pay for all of it. So he flew me down, and a week and a half later, this guy's in, in Texas, and I'm going to this conference, and it's amazing. All these pastors and ministers are there, and I'm talking to them. Some of my Bible school professors are there, some of my heroes in the faith, other people that you might even recognize. Uh, like I think of Bishop Dale Bronner was there. Uh, why would you know him? You might know him from the Medea movies, but he actually pastors like a 25,000-person church in Atlanta. And so he and I are sending like, memes back and forth via cell after we meet each other. Like, it's just very rewarding to be a real person and also have spiritual growth. It was amazing. And so they had this little dinner area, and I'm getting some snacks on a plate. Well, the whole time that this was happening over the course of this conference, Pastor Steve Smotherman, the man that was my host, was walking me around and introducing me to all these people as Willie George's guy. Well, I wasn't trying to claim that at all. No person has ever affirmed or refreshed or encouraged me in ministry more than Pastor George. But I wasn't trying to claim anything. He was going around, introducing me. And I'm up there at that table making myself a little plate, and he says, Richard, have I introduced you to Joe? He's Willie George's guy. And I looked over at my former leader. I'm his former protege, and I'm being introduced in a way that he might should be introducing me to others if he wouldn't have missed his call. You know, that's vengeance that you can't even make up. The Bible says two things belong to the Lord. The tithe belongs to the Lord, and he says, I will repay. He also says, vengeance is the Lord's. I will repay. Look at me, Christian. God is more loyal than you give him credit for. In that moment, there was utter vindication. And to even prove what a good doobie I was, he tried to sabotage me at the conference, and Pastor Steve told me about it. Yes! Like, it was very rewarding. I had vindication, and I was free. I had gone on with my, my life, and God set that up. Now, is God going to set that up for you? I have no idea. And honestly, that's not what it's really about. Vengeance is the Lord's. He will repay. Whether he gives you a front row or not, take satisfaction knowing it'll be better than any way you could. But to the offenders and the people that hurt you and the people that took advantage of you, friend, God's faithful. Now, how's your relationship with Richard today? Weird. He kind of repented, forgot that he did that. We've had words before. In fact, even recently, I had to talk to him about something. And as I'm talking to this person, he brought up all the things that I did to him in the conversation. And I'm like, okay. But the Bible says, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so I owned my stuff and repented from any bad attitudes that I might have had. And I left that thing feeling like Mighty Mouse because I was like, this is great. I don't even need to bring up more stuff he did. I'm free. I forgive him. And if I did do anything bad, I want to be clean and, and, and all of that junk, be free of all that junk, lest I become like that. You might have reconciliation in some of your relationships. That'd be wonderful. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. But I want to free some people. And I didn't say this first service, but I should have. Some of you were abused in a very grievous way. God is not asking you to fall under an abuser. You are not called to abuse. And so you might forgive that person and even have a social reconciliation. Maybe that's best case. 
you don't have to be friends with them. You can move on with your life. But we're the body of Christ. They accepted Jesus. That's fine. Maybe you're the nose and they're the armpit, buddy. Like you don't, it'd be perverse to have your nose dug into your armpit. You know what I'm talking about? There's other parts of your body that it'd be perverse for your nose to touch. God bless them. See in heaven. God doesn't need you to subject yourself to that. Can I hear an amen, church? Now, with all of that being said, I forgave him and God forgives him. Why? Because the guy's so good? No. Because God is so good. It's the same reason why I'm going to be forgiven. Not because I'm so good, but because God is so good. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever should call upon his name should not perish but have everlasting life. Not because you're so good, but because our God is so good. Say amen, somebody. We are made new because of Jesus, not because we're so good. We are made new because the tomb is empty. We are made new because he suffered a death in our place. We are made new because he made a way where there seemed to be no way. We are made new because he rose from the dead. Come on, somebody. That is your God. Say amen, somebody. That's his power. And you may never be more like Jesus than when you are a forgiving person. When you let them go, Father, forgive them for they, they don't even know what they're doing. So, so what do we do? We pray for them. The prayer will never change what happened. But it might change us. What do we do? We forgive as we have been forgiven. Forgiving someone else will never change the past, but it can broker a future for us where we're free from all of that junk. We need to pray for them and forgive them. And here's what we want today. By faith today, as we have an encounter with God that, that, that we could be free. We could say, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm letting it go. I've been forgiven, and so I choose to forgive. For some of us, you're ready. And that forgiveness, all we gotta do is give you an out, and it's gonna happen in a moment. I'm telling you, some of you are there. You're ready to just let it go. You're ready to be free. Some of you are still so hurt and, and, and have been so victimized by abuse, by neglect, by poverty, by people weighing on you, by people taking advantage of you, that listen, today you're going to take a step, and it's going to be a quality step, but God is going to minister in your heart over the next couple of weeks, and you're going to see that freedom realized. I'm telling you. But for all of us today, all that engage today, if we step out towards letting the Holy Spirit do his thing, he, God Almighty, he'll heal your heart and he'll bring you freedom that this world doesn't offer. Why does he do it? Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. Heads bowed eyes closed if you would. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're ministering to your kids right now. God, there's people in the sound of my voice. This is a hard message because they're picturing the person that let them down, that went too far. God, I pray for their hearts right now. There's people that are ready at this moment to forgive. The Bible says if you have anything against anyone, forgive them at the altar. And so you're already picturing the wrong. You're picturing the person in the situation. For those that are ready right now to forgive and be free, do it right now. Pray this in your heart. Don't pray it out loud. God, I forgive them. I forgive them. They could do it again, and I'd forgive them again. God, I let them off the hook. They might face natural consequences that should be right, but I forgive them. For some of you that you were ready for a second, I can sense it in the room. You fought against yourself. You stopped yourself even from doing it, and it was some sort of like defense thing you've built within you. Listen, if you were ready, do it. 
It does not justify what they did. It doesn't say that what they did was okay. God will deal with them on those things. Vengeance is the Lord. They might face natural consequences and should. But you got to be free of all of this. Free the prisoner, friend, and realize that the prisoner is you. Those of you that are ready to forgive still, take a deep breath in this room with heads bowed and eyes still closed. Take a deep breath. Forgive that person right now. There's others that are holding on to it. It is not a badge of honor what happened to you. And you know that, but you're wearing it like a badge of honor. You're sourcing out of that hurt, and it's affecting every relationship in your life. And it's true, what happened to you shouldn't have, but listen to me. God Almighty wants to show you not only freedom, <laughs> God wants to show you joy that you really haven't experienced since you started holding on to this. And so if you can forgive today, do it. If you can take that first step and say, I forgive, even if it's only mentally you're forgiving them or you're saying magic words, God sees your heart and a quality step towards God, heaven does not ignore. Just say that within your heart, God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. Help me to forgive them. Several people, the cry of your heart right now is, but they took my innocence. Listen to me. That is so wrong. But you can't house that within yourself. You must be free. God has more for you today. Let them go. Let God deal with them. Let God be God right now. And you go on in healing. Do it right now. Yeah. And Father, I know all of us need to experience your power. Heal our hearts, God, that when we leave this place, whether we initiated a process or whether, God, we are free from that junk, that you would oversee it, that if it tries to rear its head again, if we become offended only in ourselves while we're driving or our private time, that, God, we would continually walk in forgiveness so we can stay free in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you came into my room today and you'd say, Pastor Joe, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm talking to you, friend. The only way to have a relationship with God was brokered for you by Jesus. The Bible says if you call Jesus Lord or boss, if you stop being boss over your own life and give that over to him, the Bible says that you'll be saved. You'll have an eternity in heaven. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But the eternal life that you've been seeking, that joy, that can rush into your life today. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment. If you mean it, all of that will happen. If you say it like it's poetry, you're going to leave this place like you went to a poetry slam. Not changed, just more religious. But I sense in my heart like there's people today that are ready. So church, pray this out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father. Say, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe so with my heart and with these words I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit in me I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ louder than that, church. Come on. Now listen, if you did accept Christ, or maybe you're sitting next to somebody, when I said bow your eye, like you peeked a little bit, I give you permission. Grab that person's hand and have them fill out one of our connection cards. If you accepted Christ today, why are we cheering? We know what you just decided, and it's a huge deal. Let us know about the decision that you made on the connection card, and here's why. I want to send you a little note talking about next steps to take in your faith. God has big things for you, the least of which is to fill out that little card. And so please do that so we can celebrate with you like we are right now. One more time, church. Hey, louder than that, come on.
Hey, you can stand up on your feet, church. Did you get anything out of today's message? I hope that helped. I heard some sniffles and I saw some faces. And so I just, I hope you leave this place getting what you need. If you have a need in your spirit, soul, or body, we'll have prayer partners available here at the front that would love to agree with you and the Word of God help you through things. But I love you. A couple of announcements before we dismiss today. Uh, after church, right after we dismiss, if you're new to New Chapel, we welcome you to come to our Let's Meet Newcomers Reception. And that is to say, if you've never gone to one of these receptions, you've been coming three to six months, uh, this would be great. Kai and I want to learn your name, shake your hand if you're okay with that, and uh, just tell you a little bit about our story. We have desserts back there. I prayed for them, so like always, calorie-free, carb-free in Jesus' name. And, uh, but it'll be a good time just to be able to connect relationally, especially in a world that's become so antisocial. So if you're new to New Chapel, I'd love to shake your hand. And then the second thing that I want to share before I pray for you is the fact that small groups start this week, everybody. And uh, listen, some of y'all, you like to just blitz out of this church as fast as you can when I dismiss you. I have instructed them to lock all the doors and windows. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, we, will, we would love it. We invite you in to these groups. It's the best way to grow. Relationships are here with like-minded people. And we've got some great groups. I think they have Authority of the Believer going on. They have New Chapel Grow, which, by the way, if you're like, I'd like to know more about my faith. I don't understand all this stuff. Sometimes I'm singing these songs. And I'm like washed in the blood. You don't know what it's talking about. Come to New Chapel Grow. That'd be an awesome small group. Decoding Revelation. If you're wondering why I'm kind of like dabbling into politics right now, being like, oh no, you know, go through Decoding Revelation, you'll realize the times that we live in. And one of the groups that uh, are, are it's really getting a lot of traction, maybe more than most, is Pastor Eric. You're leading the evangelism training. Y'all give it up for Pastor Eric. Very cool. So that is not to teach them to wear white suits and hit people when they pray, right? That's not the goal. It's to be relational, right? And teach us as the church, how to talk to people about our faith. So listen, sign up for a small group. I encourage everybody, if you don't do it, you're not going to be saved anymore. And so just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But, but please do sign up. And would you welcome my beautiful wife to the platform? Come on up here, baby. Forgiveness is a real thing. And we're here for you. If you need prayer, come talk to us. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, I said as you go, see you guys next weekend. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.